Um, today we're going to be in a Psalm 119, and before I read through that, I just want to pray and get our hearts set and focused on that. Father God, thank you for these body of believers. I'm so thankful for the 6 o'clock service, the 8 o'clock, this service. People that desire to live for you and that they delight themselves in you, um, that they desire to serve you in all that they do and to live for you. Uh, they desire to, even when they uh, get ridiculed, that they will continue to live for you and to be strong in the strength of the Lord. So I thank you for your word. That's what it's about today. It's about uh, your word and what your word does for us and how you strengthen us through that and our, through our faith. And I pray that you would bless this time, Lord. May it be your words, not mine, uh, that you would get the glory, not me. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So thank you for being here. Um, we're going to be in Psalm 119. Uh, just, uh, I'm not reading all 176 verses. That could take up a lot of my pr uh, preaching time, which would be great because I get nervous about this stuff. But uh, we're not going to read all 176. Uh, just verses 1 through 16. So let's start with Psalm 119, verses 1 through 16. How blessed are those whose way is blameless. Who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do un no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You, Lord, have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. The psalm exalts the word of God, if you hadn't picked that up. Psalm 1 and Psalm 19 also uh, exalt the word of God uh, and, his, uh, and God alone. Psalm 19 has been known as a mini-psalm. Um, although the writer is known, uh, known in, in this, it is known that he wrote this under distress. He was going through difficult circumstances, and that was very evident. But one thing he talked about was that before sunrise and beyond sunset, which all day, the Word of God dominated his life. Verse 147 talks about uh, before dawn. Verse 97, the psalmist says all the day. Verse 164, seven times a day. Verse 55 and 148, nightly. Verse 62 uh, says at midnight. Psalm 37.4, just uh, in reference, says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes, uh, maybe I was guilty of that. How do I live the American dream, which doesn't, isn't necessarily God's dream for your life? But I thought, you know, gosh, maybe uh, since I, I, I want that pickup, and uh, I want this, I want that, if I just delight myself in the Lord, he'll give it to me. Well, no, that's not what that is saying. He's saying... And that's why it's first, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, he will change your heart. 
more in line and more in the will of, of what God wants for you. It's the supernatural effect of being in God's Word and memorizing and meditating on that Word. There's some re- reoccurring themes in Psalm 119. Number one, God's Word is all-sufficient. Uh, we don't need uh, any self-help book. We don't need um, anything else. God's Word is all-sufficient, meaning that's all we need. Number two, the man of God is going to go through persecution and affliction. If you're living for Christ in your life, you're going to have persecution. You're going to have affliction. Um, the pandemic is not an affliction. And when the Bible talks about an affliction, uh, it's referring to a spiritual uh, thing, okay? Um, so uh, you're going to go through persecution and affliction. Uh, in your life if you're living for God. Number three, the practical use of the Word of God in the life of the believer. Uh, I grew up Catholic all the way up until I was about 23, and then a gymnast that I was uh, at the national championships with in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, um, shared the gospel with me in my, do- my uh, motel room. It was only us. We had spent a lot of time all year with all the gymnasts flying all over the country, and it was just her and I, and she was the most outspoken believer on campus, which uh, on a college campus, you're going to get persecuted for that. But she shared uh, the gospel with me uh, in that motel room in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So I kind of have a special place in my heart for that. For Tuscaloosa, I'm not an Alabama uh, fan, but I love Tuscaloosa. Uh, So, um, but anyway, she hooked me up with a guy that was on the staff uh, of the Navigators Campus Ministry. Uh, that was all started by Dawson Trotman a, a few decades ago. Uh, and it was originally, I believe, a ministry uh, to people in the military, but it's become a campus ministry. Uh, their headquarters are in Colorado Springs. Uh, as an elder group, elder team, uh, we had a retreat there about three and a half years ago, something like that, uh, at the headquarters, and it was just a really neat thing. That's where God really brought me back to making sure that I was focused on his word. So uh, I began to understand how you practically apply the Word of God. Growing up in religion, uh, look good on the outside. Be like a whitewashed tomb. Whitewashed tombs look really nice and beautiful, but what are they full of? Dead men's bones. And so as a religious person, I looked good on the outside. I was always dressed nice for church, but my heart was wicked and deceptive. Um, I was evil, and so I was full of dead man's bones. So I grew up that way. You know, you look religious. You may not be anywhere closer to God than anybody else. And then I got saved, and then I was discipled by somebody on the Navigator staff that, that showed me uh, the Word of God and how it can be practically applied. We met together. Uh, I had to memorize two verses a week, uh, but we didn't just spend time together for about five minutes get the verses down, mark that off my list, and go our ways. Uh, We spent a good hour or two hours going over the Word, Him teaching me, me learning. I was soaking that up as a sponge. I'm amazed that now, let's see, that was April 20th, 1991, that 29 years later, the Word of God still has the power to change things in my life, and it still has the power that it did that first week that I was so on fire for God. 
that it has now. Can you agree to that? Amen? So, God's Word is powerful. It's supernatural. It changes our lives. If we just would spend time in it, that we would memorize it, we'd meditate it, and we would apply it to our lives, that we would grow. Once we get saved, we're supposed to grow in sanctification, and so uh, we need God's Word. You can't feed your faith with the things of this world. You have to feed your faith with the Word of God. So we have to be in the Word of God. The psalmist, he only had parts of the, a, a part of the Old Testament. And he had uh, the Torah, as uh, I heard it pronounced, but uh, the books of Moses. And yet he wrote these things about how wonderful God's Word is. And yet we own complete Bibles. And can we honestly say that all day and all night we meditate and think upon His Word? Can we honestly say that? That's what we should strive to that God's word is in our hearts and minds uh, every day. Somebody once said, and there was no, no quote to this, I was looking this up, but I came across this quote. If you're too busy to read the Bible, you're too busy. You need to cut something out of your life. I have seasons of life that um, get really busy um, doing sports medicine and taking care of athletes at the high school level and stuff like that, and I just feel like I'm running around with my head cut off, and I, I got to cut things out uh, that um, ha- aren't going to be an advantage to me. So uh, I can't cut my job out, uh, but there's stuff I do at home, like scrolling through Facebook for half an hour, that I could be spending time in the Word of God, right? And that would be of benefit to me, and that would strengthen me and give me hope and give me strength uh, instead of doing that. Uh, Giles used to call it fake book. Uh, there's a lot of fakeness on fake book. A lot of fakeness on social media anyway. So, um, not all of it. Uh, There's somebody here today that puts the Word of God on that, and I so appreciated that through uh, this whole pandemic thing. The psalmist considered God's Word as food and his greatest wealth. The psalmist delighted in God's law. How can we get to a point where we delight in his Word? I I think of uh, the Holy Spirit just reminded me of Ezekiel 36, verse 26 through 27. And this is God speaking to the nation of Israel. And this is God speaking to, uh, of the promise uh, to those who do not know Christ, that do not know God, uh, the promise of what God can do in their life. And this is what God said to the nation of Israel, verse 26 and 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. That's his promise, that he will remove the heart of stone. God removed the heart of stone in my heart. Not very moldable. Stone uh, is more like fractured and broken in pieces. It can't be molded. Uh, But a heart of flesh can be molded. And what are we supposed to be like? We're supposed to be like clay in the potter's hands, right? And we know who the potter is. It's God. So, um, God gives us a heart of flesh, and he gives us, and it causes us to walk in his statutes and uh, being careful to observe his ordinances. The word of God performs many wonderful ministries in the life of the devoted believer. It keeps us clean. It gives us joy. It guides us. It establishes our values. It gives us hope and peace and freedom. Perhaps more important to me than anything, when I met Christ in that motel room in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, is that I had finally 
had peace with God. I always thought God was, had this thunderbolt in his hand and he was about ready to strike me down for the next bad thing I did. And I did a lot of bad things in college. You combine alcohol and partying and you end up doing a lot of bad things. And so um, I did a lot of bad things. So uh, God gave me peace. I, I began to know God and who he was, who his character was, and began to know uh, the true God. It helps us find and fulfill God's purposes. It strengthens us so we can witness. Um, not every one of us uh, is born with a gift or given the gift of evangelism, but we are all called to share God's word and to pre uh, speak the truth into people's lives. Uh, when I try to do it on my own and my own strength, what happens? Um, it doesn't go very well. But when I pray in the morning, Lord, before I go to work, before I go to the high school, please uh, give me the strength to sh share your, your truth uh, with whoever I'm around, whether it's my coworkers or with student athletes. Um, and when I pray that and I say, Lord, I am dependent upon you, uh, God, all of a sudden, there's all sorts of opportunities. And when I depend on him, then witnessing is really easy, even though that's not my gift. Uh, sharing the truth um, uh, and doing that, just uh, it's amazing. And I walk away from that going, God, you are awesome. So uh, God answers prayer. Paul, in writing to the church in Colossae, tells them, and this is in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 through 8, and he talks about the treasure of God, um, the treasures of wisdom, knowledge in this, and being encouraged by their faithfulness. Colossians 2, 1 through 8, for, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are in Laodicea, perhaps my favorite city in the Bible because I love that, how that just rolls off the tongue, Laodicea. And for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that none, no one will delude, delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Verse 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So even though Paul was absent in body from those in, in Colossae, uh, he was with them in spirit, and he rejoiced because he saw their good discipline and their stability of their faith in Christ. Their stability of their faith in Christ was not uh, because they were relying on their own strength. It was because they were trusting God, they were, in, they were in his word. And he says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him. And the only way we can, as believers, be firmly uh, rooted and being built up in him and established in our faith is by feeding that faith and that is through the word of God uh, and what happens when that that goes on when we're feeding our faith in Christ 
we overflow with gratitude. It brings me to a point, at least for me, uh, not literally or it can, but figuratively, it brings me to my knees. It brings my soul, uh, the very soul that God knows how to speak to, to my knees and where I'm praising God. The other function of, not, uh, of knowing God's word is that so we don't just take in any philosophy and all the empty deception according to the tradition of men or the elementary principles of the world, right? That's why we need to know the word of God. We go through each day and we're confronted with different things, whether it's through media, through our workplaces or whatever, our friendships or our families, where it kind of comes across kind of Christian or whatever, maybe, uh, but we need, that's, why we, that's another reason why we need to know the Word of God and have it hidden in our hearts. And now we'll talk about that here in a little bit so that we can filter uh, the things of life through that. Okay, well, on Psalm 119, I want to focus on one verse primarily, and that is verse 11, Psalm 119, verse 11. And I am going to focus on three phrases in this verse. Uh, but this verse says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. I mean, isn't that uh, all of our goals that we, may, we would not sin against God? I heard one preacher say that uh, when they were asked what the best thing was going to be about being in heaven with Christ, uh, they said, well, yeah, I mean, it's obvious that we're going to be with Christ, but it's going to be the absence of sin. I mean, there's not going to be any sin in heaven. On this side of heaven, on this earth, uh, we're always dealing with sin somehow. Uh, your sin affects other people, right? And so uh, whether that's an addiction or whether that's whatever it is, um, whether it's, um, I don't know, procrastination or whatever, it affects other people. Uh, for me, I, pro I like to procrastinate sometimes, and so that affects and shows disrespect to others. But anyway, um, there's going to be an absence of sin. I mean, I, don't even, I can't even understand that or even fathom that, but that's why I'm looking so forward to um, heaven and spending eternity with Christ. But Psalm 119.11, the first phrase that, that I want to go over is, number one, the first one, your word. The psalmist here is replying and, and referring to the revelation of God in his written word. Primarily the Torah, the books of Moses, also the writings of the prophets whom God sent to Israel. And the psalmist piles up familiar words for, for God's written word in the text. Uh, verse 10, With all my heart I have sought you, do not let me wander from your commandments. Verse 12, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Verse 13, with my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts. Verse 16, I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. So the psalmist refers to different words that mean the same thing, the word of God. And notice what, he, what he's doing with the Word of God. He's meditating. He's delighting. He's rejoicing in those things. He's asking God to teach his statutes. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-bred. They're inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Verse 17, So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped 
for every good work. And so uh, we can't uh, be adequately equipped for every good work by looking at other stuff, uh, other information, uh, media, this world. This, this word of God was intended to equip us to serve, give glory to God and to serve others, love God and love others, right? So uh, that's why we need to look to his word, to look to his statutes. Um, I had told the previous uh, service at 8 o'clock, uh, my pet peeve right now is the word statutes because uh, I've read articles where they're saying people are tearing down statutes and then I've read articles on the Word of God, and, and they write in the, the article that the Word of God, um, another name for the word, word of God is statues. And I'm like, no, that's not, no, people aren't tearing down statutes. Uh, they're tearing down statues. Uh, I went to God, gotquestions.org, and I was reading about that, and I saw statues, and I'm like, what? So, you know, uh, I know Giles, his pet peeve was that people at Walmart were walking into Walmart through the exit door and exiting out the entry door, enter door. I mean, I knew it sounded like it drove him crazy. This is what drives me crazy. So people tear down statues, which that was wrong. Um, you exalt the word of God and you can look to his statutes. So make sure you, you spell that right. So <laughs> that's my little thing. Sorry, I digressed, Okay. Uh, number two, in uh, verse 11, the second phrase is, in my heart, mainly to say, inside of me. It's not just on a tablet. It's not outside of me. Uh, this is outside of me, the Word of God. The words of God are not just kept outside of me in writing for us to consult, but should be kept inside of us. Uh, I can't fold my Bible up any certain way and put it in a inside-the-waistband holder or something and carry it with me all day. Uh, that's the reason why we need to memorize and meditate on it because we just can't pull it out. Uh, the seasons of life change quickly for the believer. You can be praising God at 6.30 in the morning and being fire, on fire for God. You get out your, your car, you go into work, and all of a sudden it's an ice storm. And you need the Word of God for encouragement because you just don't know what you're going to come up against. So we need the Word of God stored in our hearts. It needs to be inside of you, in your heart. Uh, as a man thinks, so he is. Garbage in, garbage out, okay? If you put the Word of God in, the Word of God is going to come out in your behavior, in your life. What you believe in your heart manifests itself out through the mouth, okay? Um, it affects your behavior, what you believe. It affects what you think and your behavior and, and how you love on people, um, I looked at, I, I see the Ten Commandments. Uh, the first four deal with our relationship with God, and then the last uh, few commandments through ten deal with our relationship with people. And Jesus put it all together in the two greatest commandments. Uh, and what are those? Love God and love people. Well, how can we love people? If we focus on loving people but not loving God, are we loving people like God would want us to love them? No. So why are we supposed to love God first? so that we can learn and know how to love people and to share Christ with them. Uh, Matthew six thirty three: Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We need to seek him first, and he will give us the strength 
and the ability to counsel or comfort others and build relationships with people so that God or people can see God in our life and see Christ and we can serve them and they can see uh, what is so attractive in us in our life as we serve Christ. It should be, they should be attracted to um, the goodness of God that they see in us, okay? So uh, the word of God needs to be in your heart. It needs to be like a pantry. Uh, I didn't grow up on a farm. My parents didn't uh, farm, but my grandparents did, and we only lived a quarter of a mile away. So during the summers, I would go down, um, and my grandmother would always be fixing fried chicken in uh, Greece from seven days ago. Uh, that's just how they lived. Uh, it could be bacon grease. Uh, you didn't throw away grease. I mean, they grew up during the Great Depression, and through harder times, you just didn't do that. Um, so uh, I would be down there, and she, she'd say, James, um, the pan- you know where the pantry's at, and you just go in there and get whatever your little heart desires. And so I would do that, and I, I don't know if anybody else, maybe I'm just saying how, much, how old I am, but there were bags of chocolate stars, uh, mini Three Musketeers, those are still around, and then those orange peanuts. And I don't think I could scarf one of those down today. But I scarfed a lot of those down. But she always had stuff stored. Uh, I could walk around the farm, the place around the farm, and try to shoot barn swallows. And if you know what a barn swallow is, that's very hard to do. But I had my BB gun, rifle, or whatever you want to call it. And my grandfather stored uh, crates of cream soda in the refrigerators that are in the outbuildings out there. Uh, He always had that. Uh, those wooden crates. Now those wooden crates are pretty valuable, uh, but they stored those things there. Um, I would eat all the chocolate I could get. I was a pudgy kid, so um, I went to the pantry, and I just always went in and got what I got all the time, and so it was stored there, and that's how the Word of God is. As soon as the uh, daytime soaps uh, were on and my grandma would watch those, I vacated. Not a fan of those, but anyway, um, Anyway, so we're supposed to store the Word of God in our heart. Uh, In the Old Testament, the heart is a place of both thinking and feeling. Uh, The heart is a thinking organ. So these words are to be treasured in a place where they can be thought about and felt. Number three is the phrase, I have treasured. The reason we know the Word of God is in the heart is that the Hebrew word, I have treasured, and I think it's pronounced uh, Safan or Tesfan or whatever, it's spelled T-S-A, P-H-A-N, is used more than 35 times in the Old Testament. It always means to hide or store, to store the word, to treasure the word. Hiding is what you did with your treasures because there were no banks back then, okay? Um, like I was talking about my grandparents, they, they were young when the Great Depression happened, uh, but they came out of it not trusting banks. And when my grandparents uh, sold the farm, retired, they moved to the county seat of Wahoo, Nebraska, they bought a house, and they brought all that junk with them. I'm sorry, I'm not, it wasn't junk to them. But they brought all that to them, and they were in a smaller house, because they were in a big farmhouse, but they were in a smaller house now, and the basement was just full. But when they passed away, my mom and my two, two of the three of my sisters uh, went through everything and had to make decisions and throwing away stuff or keeping stuff uh, to have a garage sale and stuff like that. Well, my grandparents stored money in shoeboxes because they didn't trust banks. 
And my mom never told me how much money they found, but uh, I didn't think it was any of my business. Uh, but they, thank goodness, they didn't just take a wide shovel and start throwing everything in black trash, trash bags to throw away. They went through everything because they found all this cash rolled up in shoe boxes. So they stored away. They treasured. Uh, that was their treasure, okay? So this almost doesn't just mean the act of valuing the word of God in the heart, but also that the word is hidden and stored up. So it is these two things that keep us from sinning. Number one, valuing the word, that it is treasured and precious. Number two, having the word stored in our hearts and our minds. The two together give us the power to stand against the temptation to sin. The word of God is a superior treasure. It is uh, a treasure that is above gold and silver. It is a superior treasure. It is present and active or living and active. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So we know that the word of God is living and active. It is always working. It is always going forth. Um, the word of God is living and it's supernatural. It has a work in our hearts. And it also works to bring people to Christ. Uh, every other book is a dead book. The book of Mormon is a dead book. Um, in Revelations it says, If anyone adds or takes away from the word, they are to be accursed. There's some trouble brewing on the horizon. The word is always working. It is always going forth. It is working in the believer, but also the unbeliever that you share the truth with as you witness. God will use that someday. Not maybe when you're around, not in your timing, but he will use that. So share the truth in gentleness and love. And as I said before, the word gives you strength to witness to a family member or a co-worker. There's been those opportunities. Uh, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. Uh, while the word is comforting, comforting and encouraging to the believer, it is also a tool of judgment and execution for the unbeliever. It exposes, the word exposes shallow beliefs and false intentions. Like I said, the point today is to encourage and to motivate you, uh, to persuade you to memorize and meditate on the word of God. There's great things that come from that. The Bible teaches us to memorize scripture. We look at Matthew 4. How did Jesus confront uh, against uh, Satan when Satan was trying to promise him this and that? Uh, he said, it is written. Okay? Uh, I know all of us deal with um, Satan trying to put doubt into our heads or trying to do other stuff and what should be our response. It is written. The word of God. This is what it says. Um, I am valued in, his, in God's eyes. I am not worthless. I am... Uh, God loves me. He does not hate me. He does not, uh, you know, all the things that Satan tries to, to whisper to you. Memorization. Memorization is not a, just a discipline for its own sake. We are to memorize because it is a treasure. Uh, but the Bible also teaches us to meditate on Scripture. It is not an emptying of our minds, as Eastern religions would like to teach you, but it is a filling or a storing up for the treasure that the Word is. Um, I have a, a, a certain, um, I guess call it a saying, uh, that I picked up. It's not original with me. It's called the five Ps, um, and this is what it is. Pause, 
to ponder the passage than practice it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, the five Ps are pause to ponder the passage, then practice it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ezra, in the book of Ezra, had this down. He would, um, let's see, Ezra 7.10 says, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. The good hand of God, it says earlier in that passage, in, uh, in a couple of verses earlier, it says the good hand of God was on Ezra. But look at what Ezra did. He set, he focused his heart to study the word, like we are to study the word. Uh, it's not just pastors, elders that are to study the word. We're all called to study the word. And then he practiced it, and then he taught it. He taught his, his the God's statutes, okay? Uh, but there was an order to that. He studied it and then practiced it. Uh, I remember Giles always preaching and saying, you know, every time that I'm going to preach on something, God always challenges me on that, right? And so uh, every time um, I preach, God does challenge me on that stuff. If you're going to stand up in front of people, you're going to be leading them people and instructing them in the Word of God, uh, you're going to be challenged, and you're going to um, have to surrender, <laughs> you know? You're going to have to uh, grow in that, okay? So we memorize, we have it in our head, and then we meditate upon the Word of God. And meditation is not uh, crisscross applesauce, hold your thumbs out, touch your fingers, and uh, empty your brain. Uh, that's not what meditation uh, scripturally is talking about. It's, it's Meditation means to think on it, to ponder it, to mull it over in your minds. It's not just two minutes here and then out the door you go. You're supposed to think upon it all day and all night. Joshua 1.8, it says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything uh, written in it, then you will be prosperous and then you will be successful. Uh, what's it say? All day and all night, right? Meditate on it. Think upon it. So that's what we're called to do. And we shouldn't need a church program on memorizing God's Word to motivate us. Uh, if you choose not to memorize and meditate on Scripture, uh, you will be a weak Christian. If you wonder why you continue to struggle with that same old sin in your life, Ask yourself if you have been in the Word and you've been meditating on the Word on a consistent daily basis. If, if you're not hiding and storing the treasure of His Word to combat sin in your life, you will always deal with uh, the same old sin. Well, what I wanted to end uh, this service with was a personal testimony of mine, uh, and it just so happened to start with this pandemic. Uh, just a little bit of uh, background. Um, I've worked at the same job, and this was my first job at the hospital for 28 um, years. Uh, never been out of work, uh, never uh, been fired or anything like that. Uh, but when this pandemic started, shortly after that, I was furloughed or laid off. Uh, I struggled with anxiety and doubt. Uh, I would sit in front of the TV, a conservative news station, and watch for four or five hours a day just trying to hope that I would hear something encouraging. Um, it's still uh, secular media, so how in the world did I think that I was going to hear anything encouraging from that? Uh, there's a balance. I mean, I was sitting in front of the TV every day for four or five hours hoping that this was just going to blow over and I was going to go back to my job. Uh, but that didn't happen for three months. But, and my kids were worried. Uh, I was sitting in front of the TV, and the kids would go upstairs and say, Mom, what? Dad's sitting in front of the TV for four or five hours a day. What? It's scaring the heck out of us. 
He, he needs to stop that. But I did fight it, figure out that you will go crazy if you watch the news every day. Um, so I began to, through prayers and petitions, and I say that because that was one of the first verses I memorized, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Uh, through prayers and petitions, I began to plead and cry out to God and say, man, I, Lord, I am struggling with my anxiety distress, the worry of this. I haven't been ever been out of a job. I've always worked. What am I supposed to do? I, I sat at a dinner table one night, and I just started crying and said, kids, I uh, said to my kids and my wife, I don't know how to respond to this. What is this all about? How do I lead my family? And so I began to, I asked him to show me his word to help me take those away, okay? Well, I can... Because I prayed that and asked God to do that, he uh, disproved or debunked my whole saying about nobody ever changes their mind based on anything posted on Facebook. This lady from the South, and the only reason I know she's from the South is because she was uh, videoing herself talking about how God had worked in her life with Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. And me being a former navigator, I wrote these verses on uh, cards so I could memorize and meditate on them. But this is what Psalm 121, 1 and 2, and a lot of you are familiar with it. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So the very God that has created what we see, whether we don't have mountains, we have wildcat hills, we have the monument, as still, God has done a powerful thing, and his creation speaks of his glory. His creation speaks of his love for us. Man will never be able to duplicate the eye and how that works. The eye is a complex thing. I know that because I, I had to study those things in college. Um, it's so complex that man couldn't even do anything about that, but God can. God is powerful, Okay. So, God, show me Psalm 121, 1 and 2. We can't put hope in the world system. Uh, we need to trust Christ. We need to get, he said to me, James, you need to get your eyes off yourself and all this woe is me, all stuff, and you need to focus, get your eyes up and focus on me because the only help that you need is, comes from me and my word because I made heaven and earth. The second verse that God showed me was 1 Samuel 2, 2. And I don't know how God brought me to this verse, but uh, 1 Samuel 2.2 2 says, There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Looking to this world for the answers of life is like building a house on sand, and we all know that illustration. If you build your life on sand, and you don't build it on the rock of God's word, and God himself, uh, the storms of life, Sickness, cancer, uh, loss of a job, they're all going to undercut you, okay? And like I said, people are watching, they're observing, they're looking at you because you've obviously stepped out and in, in, uh, proclaimed Christ in your life. They're going to watch you. So uh, there is no one beside God, there is no, nor is there any rock like our God. So he is our rock. And then the last one is Job 23, 8 through 10. Um, I know for a fact that nobody here uh, has ever experienced what Job went through. 
Um, but uh, in Job 23, 8 through 10, it says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he acts on the left, I cannot behold him. He turns on the right, I cannot see him. But he knows the way I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. How many times do we go through things in life where we just do not feel like God is paying attention? How many times do we go through life and we feel like he's not there? Uh, where, where are you, God? Um, but uh, he's always there. His character never changes. When he says he is faithful, he's always faithful. When he says uh, that he will do this or do that, he will give you strength. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, that never changes. That doesn't change uh, in cancer. That doesn't change in the loss of a job. It doesn't change when you're dealing with an addiction. He is there. And we have to re- go back to those truths. We have to remind ourselves of those truths. And my, my greatest goal through this all of this pandemic, and I don't know about you, uh, and through what's going on in this world, all the other things that have come with it, is that I would come forth as gold. Isn't that our greatest desire, that we would all come forth as gold through this, that we would come forth even more faithful to God, even more devoted to God, have a deeper relationship, intimacy with our Creator. Um, isn't that our goal? Amen, right? Okay. So that's my personal testimony, okay? Um, just because I'm an elder and I'm up here preaching the Word doesn't mean that I don't struggle. Uh, the truth of God's Word is that we're all a work in progress, and we all have to offer ourselves some grace, and we have to offer other, others, uh, believers, grace too. Um, I can't say enough to make sure that during this time, and I believe that God brought this, allowed this pandemic to happen to show people that we're not in control, He is. And to bring people to Christ and to take believers in Christ to share the truth and love with those who do not know God and have a personal relationship with God. So I kind of got off what I was going to say, but we should come forth as gold, and we should be strengthened through this time and uh, be stronger believers in Christ. So uh, as the worship team comes forward, um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll worship God and then be dismissed. Father God, thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, I rejoice in your word. I delight in your word. I pray that prayer for every one of us here, that we would exalt the name of God uh, in our own lives uh, as we spend time in your word, uh, at work or wherever we're at, that uh, we are a light uh, in the darkness of this, this country. Lord, help us to be that light, and that light is the word of God. And I just pray that, thank you for the blessing of this time. Uh, I pray as we worship uh, in music that, Again, you would be glorified. I pray these things in your name. Amen.